This is what a month of Yo, who you got more respect? Who you got more respect? Feels Genesis 126 to 31. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruits. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps onto earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Genesis 2, 8 and 9. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2, 18 through 25. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed.
Hey everybody, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Uh, so glad that you are here. Uh, welcome those of you at our East service, those of you tuning in online, welcome. Uh, welcome to 2024. Right? Our, our staff spends a lot of time planning out uh, the year. We plan out uh, sermon series and special events and all kinds of things. And then we, we try to pick a theme that will tie it all together. And we knew coming into 2024 was going to be an election year, which means there's going to be a lot of noise, uh, a lot of voices clamoring uh, for our attention, asking us to believe not just what they say, but to believe in them. And we want church to be a place where you can come for some peace, like a shelter in a time of storm, a place where you can listen uh, for the voice of God, listen to God. Right, so we are calling this year, our theme is a year of listening, a year of listening, where church can be a place where you come and hear uh, the one voice that you can trust, God's voice, all right? So this first series, this four-week series, we are taking from the book of Genesis. And if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, uh, that's page one, all right? So uh, if you want to use one of the Bibles that's in front of you, you can just open it up. First page, and we'll be covering, looking at uh, page one and page two uh, today. Uh, next week, by the way, we're going to look at listening to the authority of Jesus, or the authority of God. Uh, the third week is listening for the contradicting voices to God. And then uh, finally, listening for a way back to God. Today, we're going to listen for the goodness of God. Listen for the goodness of God, because we want to answer the question, why? Why should we listen to God? All right? We could have gone all different directions with this. We landed on the three passages that we just had read to you. And I have one point for each passage. If you're a note taker, you can write these down or you can just know where I'm going. All right? For the first passage, my point is the goodness of place and purpose. The goodness of place and purpose. Uh, my point for the second passage that we had read is the goodness of provision and limit, provision and limit. And then finally, for the last passage, the goodness of relationship and community, relationship and community. All right, let's start with uh, place and purpose. The first passage uh, begins in chapter one, verse 26, but a lot's happened before verse 26. God has been kind of in a, in a flurry of creation. Day one, he creates light. Day two, he creates the heavens and the atmosphere. Day three, vegetation. Day four, the sun, moon, and stars. Day five, uh, the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. Day six, the animal kingdom. And finally, we get to verse 26. And so far, we don't know why he's done any of this. We don't know why he created the atmosphere, why he created birds in the heavens and uh, fish in the sea. We don't know why he's done anything. And then in verse 26, uh, we have the answer to the why question. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
We find out why God created all that is. He created it for the ones that were created in his image. Uh, my wife, Karen, and I have three children, and they're all grown, and they have kids of their own, which is great. But when she was pregnant with each one of them, when she was almost uh, full term, the same thing happened each time. She got this weird burst of energy. Uh, they call it nesting, right? And then uh, she was like a tornado of activity. And I got roped in, even though I didn't get the same supernatural burst of energy, right? <laughs> but that's when the nursery was completely finished up because she wanted things to be perfect for the baby when we brought the baby home, right? So I was thinking, it's, it was almost like a, like a concentrated burst of love where she wanted things to be just so for the baby who was not yet born. That's what God's doing, days one through six. God is creating all that is for those who have not yet been born. God is nesting. This is the first time I ever saw this, right? When I was studying for this particular message. And when I saw it, it brought tears to my eyes because that means the entire universe was created with one thing in mind. It's like the whole universe is a nursery. It was created for you. For me, I'm so used to saying God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, and that's true. But before that, God so loved you before you were you that he created a universe just for you. Right? That's place. But then he, he didn't just give us place, he gave us a purpose. He gave us ownership, right? And I don't even know if purpose is the right word, but this is what it, it says. Uh, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over the, all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. A better word might be that he gave us the dignity of impact, that we can actually make an impact, make a difference. I was thinking he, he could have made a perfect world made of the hardest crystal that never changed, but that's not what he did. You know, uh, I always know when my grandkids are coming over because my wife will make cookies. Uh, she makes great cookies and the grandkids love it when they come over and the cookies are there waiting for them. But just recently she started doing uh, something else that the kids love even more. She waits for them to come over and then they make cookies together. Right? And uh, so I came home the other day, and uh, this is what I saw. I saw my grandson, Ezekiel, uh, helping to make cookies. He's very thoughtful. Hmm. When I came home, there were sprinkles everywhere, right? Why would my wife do that? Right? Why would she decide to bring them, bring them in and let them, because they love it, and she loves them, and it's part of her, her goodness, right? God made a world where you can actually have an impact. You can change the little corner of the world that is yours. You... What you do matters. You can change it for good or for ill. What you say matters. 
You can make someone's day today by what you say to them, or you can ruin somebody's day today by what you say to them, because what you do matters. God made it so. Right? That's the goodness of God. That's why he ends this passage by saying, uh, And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, every tree with seed with its fruit. And you shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Right? That's place and purpose. The next passage is a very short passage, just two verses. And it's the goodness of provision and limit. And this is what it says, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put a man, put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All right. So before Adam and Eve ever got there, God planted a garden, and there was a garden waiting for them with fully formed trees, with fully ripe fruit hanging from the branches. So the very first time that Adam opens his eyes, he has the exquisite experience of beauty. Like the reason that you can experience any kind of beauty is because God decided it to be so. That this passage says it was pleasing to his eyes. Right? And then he would go and he would pick the first fruit and he would bite into it and realize that he had taste buds for the first time as the juice would run down his chin. Then he, he looks out on all the other trees and there are all different types of fruit. There are apples and pears and oranges and peaches. He didn't go from tree to tree experiencing just explosions of flavor. Why? It's the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God. Every good thing that you've ever experienced. That's why James, in his uh, letter, in chapter 1, verse 17, he says this, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Like every good thing that you have ever experienced, from the taste of a wonderful meal, to the breathtaking beauty of a sunset, to the hug of a child who loves you, to waking up fully rested or waking up at all, everything is a gift. Think of your three favorite things in the whole world. Right? It's a gift. To you, there's an author named Anne Voskamp. She wrote a book called 1,000 Gifts. It's a great book to read, just to remind you of the goodness of God in giving and his generosity in giving gifts. Right? That's one thing. That's provision. But then in these two verses, God mentions the tree, the tree, right? The, God's tree. It's the only tree where God, God says, all this fruit, all of it, every one of these trees I give to you, but this is my tree. Don't eat of the fruit of this tree, right? So God is saying to them to put a, a forbidden, a tree with forbidden fruit in the midst of paradise is symbolic to be sure. God is asking them a question. It's the most important question that God asks you even today. And that's simply this. 
Do you trust me? Do you trust me? In a sea of yeses, will you trust me if I say no? In a sea of yeses, will you trust me if I say no? Will you still believe that I'm good? And it should have been a crazy easy question for Adam and Eve, don't you think? I mean, they were dust. They were made out of dust. An entire universe was created for them, a fully formed garden with all kinds of organic fruit and vegetables just for them. Should have been a crazy easy question, but it wasn't. Should be a crazy easy question for you and for me, and it's not. It's not. But it wasn't just any tree. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God is saying, listen, when it comes to deciding what is right and wrong, that's me. Don't ever try to decide what's right and wrong for you because bad things will happen. But if you want to know how we got where we are as a culture, if you want to know how we got to the place where, you know, God says, I made the male and female, and we say, oh, now there are 72 different genders. How we got to the place where we're trying to figure out whether a biological male should be able to swim against biological females and change in their locker room. You know how we got there? This is how we got there. Because human beings decided, no, no, we will decide what's right and what's wrong. You know, the, the darkest book in the Bible, in my opinion, is the book of Judges. Oof, really, really bad things happen in the book of Judges. And the book of Judges has a recurring refrain to explain why such terrible things are happening. And this is the refrain that happens every few chapters. At that time in Israel, there was no king, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Listen, God's setting limits on us, saying, let me decide what's right and wrong, what's good and evil, is part of God's goodness to us. Every parent you know, sets limits on their children because of their love and goodness. When I was about six years old, uh, my parents took my brother and I to a county fair. It was a few hours away, a big family trip. And when we were at that county fair, um, my dad, we got my dad to try that game where you, you hit a pad with a mallet and try to ring a bell. And he rang the bell, right? Which was no surprise to me at six. I thought he was the strongest man in the world anyway. So he rings the bell and he got as a prize a big, fat, cheap cigar. That was his prize. And when we got in the car, I'm six, when we got in the car to drive back home, I started asking my dad, he said, dad, 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 can, let me smoke the cigar. <laughs> Seriously, let me smoke it. And my dad was going, Joe, you don't, you don't want to smoke this cigar. And I was going, no, I really do. Yeah, really, seriously. And my dad ended up saying, okay, okay. Uh, Joe, you can smoke the cigar, but uh, you have to smoke all of it. Right? Once you start it, you have to smoke it all. I'm six. I was going, no problem. Give it to me. Yeah. So my dad gives the cigar back to me. He lights it. And I'm sitting in the back seat, window rolled down. Right, six years old, looking at cars go by, going. <laughs> and I was like a king for about five minutes. After five minutes, I said to my dad, Dad, I'm done. And my dad goes, oh, no, 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 you're not. You got to smoke it all, right? And so about from that moment on, about every 15 minutes, we'd pull off to the side of the road so I could throw up, right? <laughs> what was my dad doing? 
My dad was trying to go, Joe, you got to stay in your lane, man. Right? Every time you, let me decide what is good and evil for you because you don't know. And when you get outside your lane, bad things happen. That's what God's doing. In a sea of yeses, when God says no to you, it's part of his goodness. When God says no to me, he's showing his love. All right? The last uh, passage uh, is uh, the goodness of relationship and community. You know, I'm fascinated by the Bible all the time. Right? But this part fascinates me because uh, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, uh, God says, uh, it's not good for man to dwell alone. And the reason that fascinates me is because, like, God got through with creation. Then he watched Adam for a little bit. And then it was like God was going, something's not quite right. <laughs> Might have missed that one in a little bit. That, but, you know, in the entire Bible, there's no indication that God ever makes mistakes. So God was trying to teach us something with this. And the question is, what's he trying to teach us? And to understand that, you kind of have to go back to the first passage that we read, uh, the first a verse, which is verse 26, it says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. That's the first time that God refers to himself with a plural personal pronoun. You know, Christianity, uh, we have a unique view of God's nature. We believe that God exists in Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons. So God is in relationship with himself, right? So when God looks at Adam and he says, it's not good for Adam to dwell alone, what he was saying is, it's not good for one who is made in the image of a being who is not just a me, but an us. It's not good for them to be alone. That's why loneliness is so terribly difficult for a human being if you are lonely today. It's why solitary confinement is an excruciating punishment for a human being because God created you with relationship receptors all over you. And you are sitting around people with the same relationship receptors. And God said, it's not good for Adam to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And when he says helper, he doesn't mean like a personal assistant. What he means is somebody who can do stuff that he can't do. That, that word helper is very commonly used in the Bible to describe God. And when, it, when I call somebody because I am not a handyman, and I call somebody to help me. I'm calling somebody who can do what I can't do. So God brings to Adam somebody who's different than he is, a woman, Eve. Now, if I was single, I'd be asking the question right now, are you saying that the only way that I can really be fulfilled is to be married? And that's not what the Bible says. You have to read the whole Bible. You get Ephesians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, hold up singleness. In fact, Christianity was the first religion in the world to hold singleness as a viable option for fulfillment. And it did that because of this. Because of gathering in this group, right here, this community. God gave this as a gift. And the great greatness of this gift is that you are surrounded with people who believe because they believe in the Bible, who believe they are broken in need of a Savior just like you are, and a Savior has come for you, which means that you can be fully known 
and fully loved, not just by God, but by people around you. Because you are surrounded with people that, that really believe that they're more deeply flawed than they've ever wanted to admit. But because of what God has done through Jesus, they're more deeply loved than they've ever, ever dared to dream. Listen, what I want you to know is this is going to be a year of listening. Why listen to God? Because he is so good. And he shows it right from the beginning of creation. He gives us place and purpose. What you do matters because God made it so. He gives us provision and limit and a sea of yeses, even as noes are saying to you, I love you and I'm good. And then finally, he gives us relationship and community because it's not good for any of us to be alone. The goodness of God. Let's spend this year listening to him, listening for him. When all the other voices are clamoring for our attention, let's listen to the one who is good, who has already proven that he loves us. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father in heaven, come to you, and I, I am so grateful. I'm grateful for uh, the Bible. I'm grateful for your goodness, which is seen over and over again. We just uh, picked a few passages. We could have picked anything to show your goodness. Uh, thanks for uh, giving us uh, a thousand gifts, even today. I pray that you would make us mindful, not just today, but every day this year, of your goodness. And may we listen to you and obey you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.